This is For The Win, a podcast on sports and sports culture. I'm Eddie Sun, the multimedia editor for Annenberg Media Sports, as well as the producer of this podcast. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of For The Win NBA Finals Special Edition. We had an amazing Game 3, historic stuff from Giannis. We had an incredible Game 4, and we got Game 5. And I'm joined by my incredible co-hosts, Ava Brand and Sam Reno. Everyone, first of all, let's take it back. Before we get into, at the time of recording this, last night's amazing Game 4, let's take it back to Game 3, where Giannis Antetokounmpo just absolutely tore it up. So I really want to go into what you guys will, what you guys take away from that game three of the first box win. And also as far as just contextualizing Giannis being the only player since Shaquille O'Neal in 2000 to put up back-to-back 40.10 rebound games. I think it just shows how much, how he can so quickly dominate a game. You know, you don't really, you think like the Bucks are just hanging around, just hanging around. And then suddenly you look up at the scoreboard and you're like, well, it's because Giannis is hanging around, you know, like he's the one doing all the hard work. So I think to do it back to back is in 40 points, 10 rebounds. Obviously, it's crazy to do that. Only him and uh, Shaq have done it. Um, And I think he almost did it in a more dominant fashion than Shaq. You know, I speaking from I was not even born yet when Shaq did that in 2000. So I can't say too much, but. I think just like he was carrying the Bucks, you know, you look at Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, the other stars, the Olympians for the Bucks, they didn't have great games. Um, so I think Giannis was carrying the team and that really showed in their victory, the past two victories, especially in game three. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> the biggest thing with, with Giannis is he just keeps the scoreboard moving. He's one of these guys throughout the course of a game, and we can talk about, you know, late and close games, that's always a hot topic, is it him or Middleton? But throughout the course of the game, he just keeps the scoreboard ticking, getting rebounds, finding his teammates, scoring his own buckets. And he only took two threes. He went 0 for 2, but only took two of them, right? And that's been a massive criticism. It's him sort of taking what he's given rather than just taking it to him. And he's probably the most dominant force in the league and can get what he wants. And on nights like that when he's not settling and he's getting what he wants, and a guy like, I mean, Holiday didn't have a great game, but still shot 50% from three, right? Middleton, three of seven. And uh, you still got 50% shooting from Pat Connaughton as well. And when nobody's having an offensive explosion, nobody hit 20 points for the Suns that night, Giannis is going to be too much, right? That just that scoreboard moving, that unstoppable force, it's, it, you're going to see a blowout like you saw in Game 3. And I think that's his best ability. It's just to keep the score moving. Wow, absolutely. No, those are great takes all around. You know, uh, I was born in 93, actually. So to break it down a little bit, yeah, Shaq was ridiculous in 2000. Arguably the most dominant player. What I think is really impressive, particularly on your point, Ava, about Giannis's run here is him doing it off that. Giannis could barely walk like just over a week ago. That is, to me, what makes this so ridiculous is that Giannis Antetokounmpo hyperextends his knee, one of the worst-looking injuries we've seen, you know? And so I think as far as Giannis and Shaq, it's, Shaq was more of a force, but the way Giannis can run the floor and actually dribble is, is ridiculous. And so depending on your definition of dominance, but what I'd love to hear from both of you is, where, let's say the Bucks lose even. Or if they win, how do you think that those two games 
where Giannis did that on his leg, two back-to-back 40.10 rebound games. Even if the Bucs lose, do you think it'll be really contextualized and remembered in history as one of the greatest final stretches that we've seen from a player? And I, I do think ultimately for it to live on and for us to look back at it, they're, they're going to have to win. I mean, we, you think about the finals performances and losses that we remember, they're few and far between. Like we remember LeBron's game one performance against the Warriors in 2018, but he had already had a massive legacy of postseason performances built up to that point. Like we remember AI in the finals against the Lakers, but these guys sort of had sort of built their legacy, right? And that's what they're remembered for. And so I think there's going to be more to come with Giannis, right? I think these will sort of fall by the wayside as he creates new moments and maybe an actual title run if they don't win, right? If, if they win the championship, that block, these 40-point games, they will go down forever in Milwaukee Bucks lore. But I do think they have to win the title because this will quickly become about Chris Paul and a budding Devin Booker and will quickly forget exactly how dominant Giannis was throughout the middle of the series. I agree. I do. I think, Skyler, that's interesting, your point about his injury because – when I saw that injury and I saw that he was playing less a week later, I was fully prepared on Twitter for him not to have a great game and then people on Twitter to say, you know, like he wasn't even supposed to play ready for that whole wave. But for him to be doing this is just insane off of what I thought would be a hobbled leg, but he is proving he is completely fine and even better than we expected. Um, but yeah, to Sam's point, I also think they're going to have to win because even if... Giannis may have had great games last playoffs and everyone just remembers that they lost to the Heat. So I think, especially on the final stage, it's going to be even even more heightened. It'll be like, yeah, they got there, but they didn't finish it. It doesn't matter if you get there and you don't finish it. Everyone wants to win, and that's what where the greats are made when they win the championships. So I think he's playing great, but you have to play a great six or seven games now, not just have a couple of highlights here and there. Absolutely. That's a great point. And particularly uh, when the Warriors went 73 and 9, 73 don't mean a thing without a ring. Uh, And I think that, you know, 73 and 9 was the greatest record we've ever seen. And really, I mean, it's it's not even really compared to the Bulls 72 and 10 season, uh, because for most basketball fans, not all analysts, of course, but it is about that all-important ring. Uh, Late great Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers, this is a Southern California podcast, Uh, you know, was all about the championship rings. So was MJ. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So getting into game four here, uh, where we saw Giannis go off for, you know, 26 points, but we saw Middleton and Booker just duke it out. 40 points, 42 points. Obviously, Booker gets into foul trouble. And so one of the big questions everyone is talking about right now with the Milwaukee Bucks, before we get into, you know, a little bit of Suns and what they have to do going into game five, uh, aside from a block, which we'll also get into, but, you know, I think there's a clear answer, of course. I want to hear your take first. Uh, But who is Batman and Robin at the end of games? Who do you guys want with the ball at the end of games? Because obviously we saw Chris Middleton go off yesterday, but is it Middleton or is it Giannis? And how good is Chris Middleton? I mean, if we're if we're talking end of games, it's absolutely Chris Middleton. I mean, Giannis is undisputed their best player, and as a whole, he's he's the Batman, as you know, Kendrick Perkins likes to make the analogy there. But the the ball is in Middleton's hands, and we've seen throughout these playoffs. I mean, he's one of the best difficult shot makers in the league when he's on. Some of these shots, he has absolutely no business hitting, just falling away, defenders in his face from the mid range. And we've seen also, even when they're not hitting, like the ball in Giannis's hands late in these games 
isn't you know a formula for winning late in playoff games, especially in the finals in the conference finals. Yeah, they hand the ball to him at the top of the key, and they give him you know 15 feet of space, and he slowly closes it down, and it just clogs everything up, and everyone can kind of just stand and hug their guys on the perimeter. And there's no spacing, and there's no open shots, right? So he can't even play make. He can't use that skill either. So he just kind of has to get downhill and, and force something up. So absolutely, I think the ball in Chris Middleton's hands. And if you get enough games like you got last night, you get two more out of the next three, you're champions. If not, you don't. And it's it's an incredible way to live. And I could not imagine being a Bucks fan having to to hope you get the hot Chris Middleton down the stretch to win games or not. I agree. I also think one factor that makes it so important to have the ball in Chris Middleton's hands is free throws. You know, like so, so often now games come down to free throws. And Giannis... He last night he shot four for eight, which was one of his better nights um, for free throws. And Middleton was seven for eight, so I think he's just more reliable at the line, which is late in games are going to need that, especially in the playoffs. Um, but I'm more of a fan. I'm not so much of a fan of the isolation basketball late in games. I think these teams should stick to you know the offense. You score all these points leading up to the game. Why do we put the ball in one player's hand at the end? So I think. You know, I would like to have Giannis kind of create something for Chris Middleton. Maybe get he does hit these unbelievable shots, but if we kind of if they keep their dynamic offense, you know, maybe he could have a more wide open shot if Giannis is drawing traffic. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I I have to say at the end of games, uh, there's nothing more exciting to me than that end of game buzzer beater from a player and the game winning shot. So I, I always have been a fan of the one player taking over. It's just for me, I, I never thought that I would say Chris Middleton scored 40 points in the NBA Finals game. I mean, that guy has been called trash and, a, you know, a low level sidekick so much. And I, I do give him some credit for sure. Um, however, for Giannis's legacy, I, I've seen him close out games before with defense and offense, and I would love to see him do that. I think he has that potential, and you know, I think in the end, it, it might need to be that way for the Bucks to pull out a championship win here. I mean, if Chris Middleton hit a, a championship winning shot, I don't really know what I'd say. That would just be crazy. But uh, I think that you know, between them, yes. Giannis is Batman, and Middleton is Robin, as Kendrick Perkins does love to say. The whole Kobe and Shaq thing, I think it was Batman and Superman there. I think it's uncomparable to this situation. I think that this situation actually makes people realize how ridiculous it was to call Kobe the Robin to Batman Shaq, and they were arguably the two best players in the league. Uh, But that's for another day. So back to Giannis Antetokounmpo here. Last night... He had one of the craziest blocks we've ever seen. We've got Devin Booker, who's balling out with 42 points uh, near the top of the free throw line. And Giannis is there, ready to defend him, high up on him, and switches on to DeAndre Ayton. Hops in midair, switches hands, 180, and pins the ball just ever so slightly against the backboard, stopping Aiton from dunking. So what I want to hear from both of you and would love to know is, is that the greatest block we've ever seen? I mean, how do you contextualize that? And specifically, how do you compare it to the 2016 chase down block of LeBron James in game seven of the final? Significance is tough to compare, but you can still compare, but also as far as pure skill. 
I mean, if we're talking significance, obviously the bronze block is more important. Game seven versus game four. Game seven, all the stakes, everything's on the line. Um, yeah, I think Giannis's block, though, was incredible. There's only, he may be the only person in the league who could do, make that kind of block. Um, just his body and the ability to turn and the athleticism involved. Um, so I think it's an incredible block. It was crazy to watch. But on first, when I first watched it, I think Devin Booker's pass also wasn't that amazing, which gave Giannis the opportunity, not discrediting Giannis at all. Like I said, he's probably maybe one of the only players who can make that block. But I don't think... I think he had a little, a little, little, little help from Devin Booker. I don't think the pass was as good as it could have been. Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, for me that I, I didn't watch that 20, I rewatched the 2016 finals, not live as a Thunder fan. I just kind of had to boycott. I couldn't deal with NBA basketball at that point after that blown lead. But that, that block lives on forever. I mean, the ground he covers, how far he leaps from, how high he gets that ball on the backboard. There's just so much about it that's almost irreplicable from anybody in the league, kind of the same with this Giannis block. I almost think this Giannis block is more of a vindication for Coach Bud than it is for Giannis, right? We've been sort of clamoring for him, for Giannis to guard the best player on the perimeter at the end of games. You know, that was the big thing during the Nets series is why isn't he guarding KD? And the explanation has always been, and Bud has always stood his ground, that he's the best help defender in the league, and that's how he gives us the most value at the end of games. And my goodness, did we finally see it, right? We've always known why, and we finally saw it happen in the biggest way possible. And so it's a little bit of indication for Coach Bud here that, you know, we finally saw what he's been explaining to us all, all playoffs, right? That's why he's there. And so I think that was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was undeniably a spectacular block. I think, yeah, you got to give LeBron the significance there. And who knows? I mean, we just saw Giannis's block. When it's all said and done, LeBron's could have been better because he was like a gazelle moving up and down that court and then jumping up in the air and pinning the block. And of course, significance is is tough to compare. They're both in the NBA Finals, which, which shouldn't discredit LeBron's block because you literally can't get crazier than a Game 7 end-of-game clutch block. So for Giannis to have to be compared to that is almost unfair to Giannis, but that's just how good his block was that it's bringing up that conversation. Uh, the athleticism, I think, is the one factor that it was almost a little bit better because he, like, spun in midair. Uh, the speed, the basketball IQ to be able to do that. And definitely, it does give Coach Bud vindication on, on the help defense there. But, yeah, I think overall, uh, LeBron's is still the best we've seen. But the fact that we're, everyone is talking about it again shows just how good Giannis's block was. On the other end of the ball, we have the Phoenix Suns. So I'd love to know, you know, what you both think went wrong with the Phoenix Suns and what you think they need to do uh, or change for Game 5. I think the obvious is Chris Paul. He just was not Chris Paul last night. He had five turnovers, which is way not way out of his realm usually, um, and only ten points, five for thirteen. So I think that's obviously the biggest red flag for them in last night's loss. Um, but also Devin Booker was pretty much their only offense. He scored forty two. The rest of the Sun starters scored thirty eight. So you're gonna need a little bit of he'll need a little bit of help somewhere else. So I think. 
they just got to find a game where they're all clicking, which they haven't had as much of a game where all their stars are playing well and together. You know, they've had, obviously they won the first two, so they are managing, but they just didn't have that all. And I think Devin Booker staying out of foul trouble is huge. Um, especially on the road, you know, it was only a six point victory at the end of it. So I think maybe if they were in Phoenix last night, things would have gone a little different, but could have not would have. Um, so I think that's, they just got to have a game where they're all clicking together and playing together. And I mean, to win the finals, you have to be close to perfect. Yeah. I think ultimately for them, I mean, Chris Paul is the obvious, right? I mean, 15 turnovers in his last three games is the most in a three game playoff stretch since 2012. Um, he's, he's got to play better for them to win. But ultimately, I mean, I, I thought they did everything right last night, almost throughout the game. I mean, they adjusted the Devin Booker, you know, the dribble handoffs where Pat Bev was just destroying that sort of showed the blueprint to stop it out on the perimeter and the adjustment tonight, because the Bucks have been doing the same thing. The adjustment was, we'll run them below the free throw line and they were starting to get them for him. And then, you know, DeAndre Ayton, there was a play, I thought I made a mental note of it in the fourth quarter that this was sort of like what won them the game and ultimately didn't. He he gets the, the ball in the post and just turns and throws something up, doesn't even find the rim before he shoots it. And it's a poor shot, banks off the rim. But he comes down the floor, blocks Bobby Portis, and then on the ensuing inbound, he locks up Giannis and you know stops his attempt and grabs the ball off the rim away from Bobby Portis, and they go the other way. And it just felt like they were doing everything. Everything was falling their way. They were making the adjustments they had to, and then Chris Middleton happens, right? And so, ultimately, I think if, it's, if Chris Paul plays better, it might not matter. But I, if Chris Middleton hits shots, they're not stopping Giannis throughout the course of the game. And so I think they, they need a little bit of luck. They need Middleton to not be hitting his shots. And Chris Paul just has to show up, I think, right? And someone's got to make shots. And you can't, you can't let Jeff Teague play 11 minutes and not punish them for that, right? I mean, we're in the NBA Finals in 2021, and Jeff Teague's playing 11 minutes. Like, you have to punish that. You absolutely have to. It's what killed the Hawks in Game 6. And so I think that's ultimately the key. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, I think that that is... The obvious answer there is that, well, there's two obvious answers, really. Look, if Devin Booker doesn't get in foul trouble, the guy scored 38 points in three quarters. Only Steph Curry has scored more over the last 25 years in an NBA Finals game. And Allen Iverson also scored 38 points for context. It was one of the best three quarters finals performances we've ever seen. So foul trouble killed them. If Devin Booker doesn't get in foul trouble, they probably win by 10 or 8 points. I mean, he was absolutely cooking. Uh, other than that, yeah, it was Chris Paul. Like, what? who was wearing his jersey yesterday? That barely even looked like Chris Paul with some of those turnovers. I mean, some of those passes, they were just... And that's a credit to how good Chris Paul is that we're talking about this. Because we're not used to seeing that from him. Especially in these playoffs, he's, he's been at his best for most of the time. And then he goes out there and has just, uh, especially that late game turnover at the end where he just straight up slipped. I mean, it was shocking. I, I, it, was, it was more shocking than Middleton scoring 40 points in an NBA Finals game, uh, if you ask me which of those things would happen a couple of years ago. So pretty crazy stuff from Chris Paul. Again, huge credit to Chris Paul and who he is. I expect a big bounce back game from him. Just like we saw with Devin Booker scoring 10 points in the previous game, coming back with 42. So before we get up on out of here, uh, I would love to hear what is your prediction? Who is going to take game five? 
Well, at the beginning, I called Bucks in six and said it didn't make any sense, and it's still alive. So I'm going to have to take the Bucks in game five. None of it makes any sense. The Suns probably should have won last night. But here we are yet again. The Bucks just keep finding a way, and so I think they're going to. They're going to go back to Milwaukee with a chance to win the title. I think it all depends on if Chris Paul shows up or not. I think he's he needs to be on his A game. If Booker is shooting like he was last night and Chris Paul shows up, I think it's going to be hard for the Bucks to win in Phoenix at all so I think home court is huge in this series and that's on the Suns favor so tomorrow or Saturday I think I think Phoenix will defend their home court wow you got some different takes here but I got to agree with Ava I do think that the Phoenix Suns will take game five I think the series could go seven, uh, but again, the Bucks, the Suns were so close to winning yesterday uh, just with Devin Booker, even with Chris Paul having such an off night for his lofty standards that he set by his great play. I still think that Devin Booker will show up, especially at home, give them a massive game, a Phoenix Suns win, and they'll have the momentum heading into Milwaukee, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens then, but... I think, I think the Phoenix Suns will take game five, and that's what we're saying for now. As whether the series goes six or seven, that's going to be pretty interesting. Anyways, thank you everyone so much for listening to myself, Ava, and Sam today. And remember to always go for the win.